Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... The Lord says this, remember, I care for you. When you're fighting everything in your soul, and that other guy's going, man, you have made such a train wreck of your life. You say, you know what, I don't disagree with you. But I know God cares for me. I know he's watching out for me. And you will find that his care is what frees you from your self-preoccupation. When life hits us hard and we can't seem to find the light in the darkness, Pastor Jim has an encouraging reminder for us. God cares for each of us. In every moment of life, God is thinking about us and is right there beside us, wanting to comfort us and give us strength to get through the day. In today's message, we will hear how deeply God loves us, even when we think we have messed up beyond His help. The enemy, Satan, will use our mistakes and make us feel completely unworthy. But in God's eyes, we are always worthy. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 with part 3 of his message entitled, Humbled and Exalted. We're often guilty of a false humility. Telling people how to live who don't know Jesus Christ and say, I'm just telling you this stuff, brother, because I love you. Instead of being outspoken in love, telling people about the wonders of the Savior who died on the cross in their place for their sins. You see, our world is better at everything than the church is. God designed it that way. No, no offense to the musicians, they have better music. Keith Emerson died. If you don't know who that is, good for you, you never smoke pot. Okay, so... Yeah, you know, whenever I say this, if you left, this is Calvary Chapel, man, okay? So the, the pastor wears jeans and doesn't tuck his shirt in. So rock and roll musician dies, the guy from the Eagles and the guy from Earth, Wind, and Fire dies. So it's in the magazines, it's on the news. When some Christian musician dies, nobody's going to hear about it. When some faithful person who plays in a band in a church dies, people aren't going to hear about it. They have better everything. We can't top what the world has, but we can top them in love. And we can top them in humility. And church should be the gathering of the humble. Church should be the place where people... By the way, if you're not a Christian, I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad you're hearing what we're supposed to be. We are supposed to be the place where people come in and say, these people are really different. I love about our church, different ages, different skin colors, different socioeconomic backgrounds. I love it. I love it because there has to be something special that unites us. And it's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the church, we are to be grateful that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but we are also to be grateful and aware that he died for others. Let me ask you, friend, who's ever sitting next to you, are you grateful Jesus died for them too? Or is it only my relationship with Jesus? This is a wonderful thing we are to share. 
Again, if you're not a Christian, and what I mean by a Christian, a committed follower of Jesus, you know, you can become one today. And a good place to start is, is admitting your own tendency for a lack of humility. And admitting your own tendency to always put yourself in all your decisions ahead of everybody else. Admit your lack of trust in the Lord. You know, you become a Christian when you become aware of your sin. You become aware of your inability to change yourself. And you cry out to God for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. You cry out to God for help. The Bible calls that repentance and faith. You turn to God and you say, I'm doing my own thing and it's just not happening. And I know it's wrong. And you put your trust in Jesus Christ to get you into the next life. But not only will Jesus forgive your sins, not only will he give you eternal life, he will bring you into the reality of his grace where humility and joy and security and confidence begins to grow in your soul. And why is this so important that we are humble? Well, look at the end of verse 5. God resists the proud. Another version says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We've said many times before that God delights in being trusted. God delights when his children come to him and ask him for help. And grace enables us to begin to live the impossible commands of the Christian life. The Holy Spirit helps us to begin to do the impossible, to love the unlovable, to be humble in situations when we just want to lash out. Now, interesting, James quotes this same verse, and for him the context is complacency. James says that being complacent in your Christian walk is actually a form of pride because you're not depending upon the Lord. And when we're not depending upon the Lord, what does it do? It develops a worldliness in us, and we're drifting from God, and we don't even realize what's happening. And God might oppose you because that's the only way to get your or my attention. Do you know what it's like to have God oppose you? Do you know what it's like to feel like you can get no traction in your life? And it's, like, it's like Seinfeld, right? You know, something would happen and Jerry would go, Newman, right? <laughs> and you're trying to get traction in your life. And you're like, God, right? You just know that he is somehow behind it because you're walking in pride and not humility. And nothing seems to be happening. And here it's interesting Peter talks about opposing the proud in the context of what? Refusing to follow church leadership. Refusing to be clothed with humility. Perhaps even thinking, in all this church talk that he's been doing, thinking you don't need church to be a follower of Jesus. So what might happen? God might resist you. God might oppose you. Wow. Wow. What a motivation to have humility before others. Well, number one, humility before leaders. Number two, humility before others. Number three, humility before God. Verse six, therefore, he says, because of everything we just heard, humble yourselves. 
Now, isn't it interesting? What did he just tell us? You do it. I do it. We don't, we don't want to wait around for God to humble us, do we? We don't want life to humble us. Peter says, don't wait around for that. Who knows what that will lead to? Do it now. Humble yourself now. And he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That's Old Testament language, symbolic of the power and presence of God, that he may, not like, well, he might, he's not so sure. No, he will exalt you in due time. And we've seen earlier in the letter, that time probably is Jesus' second coming. Now, this is very simple. This is very simple. This is like a fisherman talking to his fishing buddies, right? Don't go fishing when the fish aren't biting. That, that's simple, right? All right? So he just says here, since God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble, why don't you stop fighting God and be humble? Now, including, and perhaps in the context of 1 Peter was what? It's suffering, It's life not going our way. God is evaluating the people of God. And he's saying, in that, humble yourself. So you pass the evaluation. You know, in rebellion, you might find yourself under the mighty hand of God. Tough place to be, isn't it? Really tough place to be. But in faith and trust in obedience, in putting yourself under the mighty hand of God, you actually put yourself in the mighty hand of God, and He will what? He will lift you up. He will exalt you. He will take you to heaven. His hand of support will be under you. And so here, Peter telling us, stay faithful. Do your best with God's help. Trust the power of the Lord's mighty hand to care for you. Humility has a purpose. Now, it's interesting here, the ultimate goal is not humility. Humility is finite. We're not going to need humility in heaven. The goal or the outcome of humility is to be exalted. The goal or the outcome of humility is eternal. And that was the experience of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He was lifted up into heaven. And Acts 2.33 says he was exalted to the right hand of God. You say, okay, Pastor Jim, I get it. I get it that someday, someday, I will be exalted. I will be lifted up but I'm 23. (laughs) Sounds like a long time away. You'll be there tomorrow, trust me. What do I do now? My life is not going well. What, What do I do now? What do I do until then? Well, God tells us in verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. The idea is that he continually cares for you. I love the way J.B. Phillips put it. He said this, You can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him, for you are his personal concern. I love that. I love that. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? They are your personal concern. And that's the way God watches out for his children. 
Now, it's possible all through this thing you've said, okay, he's telling us to be humble, but I'm confused. I'm, I'm supposed to humble myself. I, I don't even really know how to do that. I thought I just had to be quiet and meek, and now it seems like I don't have to be that. What should I do? And here he tells us how to humble ourselves before the Lord, and nobody learned this lesson better than Peter. He tells us how to humble ourselves before the Lord. He says to us, listen, when you're afraid, when you feel like a massive failure, when you tried your best and it just totally crashed in on you, when you are so overwhelmed with trouble, you wanna, you're just like, I can't go to God. I got to do this myself. I got to figure out what I got to do. I got to take the bull by the horns. I got to grab the reins. I got to do something else. The Lord says this, remember, I care for you. When you're fighting everything in your soul and that other guy's going, man, you have made such a train wreck of your life. You say, you know what? I don't disagree with you. But I know God cares for me. I know he's watching out for me. And you will find that his care is what frees you from your self-preoccupation. It delivers you out of the world of yourself to a healthy concern for others in the kingdom of God. But there's a catch. The burdens and the cares and the anxieties must be cast. Any fishermen, a few of you, a bunch of liars. You tell the fish, bite this and everything will be great. Bunch of liars. <laughs> well, there's a difference between casting out the line and drop fishing, right? And you take your kids out when they're little and you don't cast because all the lines just get tangled. So you just say, you know, drop your little line with your little bobber down by the, down by the side of the boat or down by the dock or something like that. But then when they get older and sophisticated, they want to wing that thing all the way out there like you do. That's the way we are to be with our burdens. It's like throwing a rock, right? If you ever go up to a lake or something like that, you pick up a rock, you throw it. Get older, your arm hurts, you tell everybody you used to throw better when you were younger. But what happens to the rock? What happens to the rock? You watch it go, and it hits the water, and it's gone. And it's gone. You cast it. And God says, take your cares, and you cast them upon me. But here's the problem. We come across this all the time in the Bible. Anybody know why? Well, we've said this before because we're spiritual pickpockets. I mean, we give Jesus the burden. He turns around to, you know, heal somebody. Oh, look, there's some lepers coming. I'll be just a second. And all of a sudden we're like, oop, right? We pick his pocket. We take the burden right out and we put it back in our own pocket. Now it's our burden again. We gave it to the Lord, but now we, we took it back from him. So what do you do when that happens? You confess your sin of stealing the burden back and you cast it out. And then you pickpocket Jesus again. And what do you do? You confess your sin, and you cast it out. You're saying, I've done that a thousand times. My answer is, that's all? <laughs> this is a habit of life. We have to get used to it. Now, this is hard. You ready? Here comes a hard part. Now, uh, you know me, if you know me any length of time, you know I like to battle with the happy calendars. You know, those ones that you flip and I'm like, ah, right? So I've got the, only the happy text from Pollyanna on them. And this, this 
1 Peter 5, 7 is a, is a big happy calendar verse. And, and, but we must see the connection that Peter is making here. And it's difficult, but it's freeing. We humble ourselves by casting our worries on the Lord. That's how we do it. Now, we still do our part. This is a true story. I knew someone who thought they did their taxes the right way, and they were flat broke, and they found out from the IRS they owed them a lot of money. So they went to Hawaii. (laughs) That was dumb. (laughs) Okay? We cast our cares, but we still have to do our best, right? Casting our cares doesn't mean we throw our line off the dock and then we jump in the water. That's not what we do. But we have to see this. When we refuse to cast our burdens on the Lord, that's being prideful. That's being prideful. You're saying, are you saying worry is pride? It is when we live like we must solve all our problems by ourselves. And so the Lord says, cast. Again, hard to hear, but I think healing for some. How often do worry and anxiety keep us from the Lord? I mean, you're not experiencing the richness of God when you're just completely worried about everything, are you? I mean, you may be here today, and this is the first time, you know, you haven't been around or you don't come because you're just consumed with worry because when you're worrying, you really don't feel like praising the Lord. And the Lord says what? Cast it out. Cast it out. This is so prevalent in the Bible, it's a constant theme in the Word of God. It's such a constant theme in our lives. How often does worry and anxiety lead to crippling fear? And the Lord says, cast it all on me. I'll carry it for you. And to do that, to give your whole life to the Lord Jesus Christ, demonstrates true humility before God. And here's the thing. We think, oh, we're just giving our responsibility and our cares to God. And God says, if you do that, I will exalt you. If you do that, I'll actually reward you. Now, that might not be till the second coming, but I'll tell you something I have really learned over my Christian life is that casting my cares upon the Lord often changes the way I think about my cares. Often changes the way I try to do life or I address life. I think Peter had in mind Psalm 55, 22 here. King David, as he often was, was in trouble. I'm so thankful for all the trouble he was in. We can just read about it. <laughs> and he said this, Psalm 55, 22, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. We began by saying we don't just let go and let God. We pray for divine help and we entrust ourselves to the Lord. We humble ourselves. We cast our burdens. We do the right things. And then we trust the Lord with the results as we walk in faith. Well, you know, we could grumble and complain, right? We could rebel and trust in ourselves, eat a lot of Tums, turn to other things, 
where we can cast our burdens on the Lord and constantly live in His presence and experience His love, His joy, and His peace. We can worry. Or can we do what David said here in Psalm 55, 22? We can trust that the Lord will sustain us. We can trust that, as David said, He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Who are the righteous? Those who have turned to God and put their trust in Jesus Christ, and He has made them righteous by faith. In Isaiah 38, Hezekiah, who we just finished studying his life in our Wednesday night Bible study, he was dying, and the Lord miraculously extended his life. Isaiah 38, 17, he said this, Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness. What is he saying? God used all the trouble in my life. God used all the anxiety in my life to serve a higher purpose. But loved ones, here's the thing. You rarely see that when you're going through it. That's why we need to be faithful. We often only see that looking in the rearview mirror. And looking in the rearview mirror, Hezekiah said, but you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption. You, God, delivered me from death for you have cast all my sins behind your back. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is not about being church people. This is about putting your trust in Jesus. And, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, here's a fact, it first has to bring us low before it lifts us up. We have to realize who we are as sinners before a holy God before we can see who He is. We have to humble ourselves before He lifts us up. It is not until we look at the cross and we see Jesus Christ being crucified on the cross and we see, that should have been me. He's dying for my sins. It is not until then we see the horror of our sins and the great love of God that He would do that for us. And today... If you are willing to humble yourself, you didn't bring yourself into this world and you are not getting yourself out of it. You didn't make you and you will not recreate dead you into somebody alive. If you will humble yourself and put your trust in Jesus Christ alone, God promises, I will take your sins, the things you are most ashamed of, the things that you would love to forget, I will take them and I will cast them. And I will let them sink to the bottom of the ocean because I put them on my son at the cross and I don't need to talk with you about them anymore because they're gone, because they're forgotten. And he promises after he casts away your sin, that someday He will exalt you. He will bring you to heaven in due time. As Jesus said, He who humbles Himself will be exalted. Only those 
who humble themselves before God. Only those who put themselves in the Lord's hands will be lifted up to heaven. Will you, dear friend, please, please, please humble yourself before him today? You've been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we are overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you'd like to pass on this message to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Change by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it's common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord here in the book of 1 Peter, one verse at a time. We here at Change by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today. Until next time, 